some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. What it do, baby? Welcome into the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Barroom Network. All our great programming on the Barroom Network you can find on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, all our previous shows you can find on the YouTube channel and all those networks I just mentioned. Uh, on social media, I'm at the Real Evan Mac. Ross is at Ross Reed. How are you this evening, sir? Good. How are you? Doing great, my friend. Summertime shy. It's just a That's tease awesome. for now, but we'll see. Feels like beautiful. summer. It's beautiful outside this whole week. I'm here for it. It's Ross's tank top weather. Come on, man. He's, he's got them all laid out. Got the, got Ready the to go. show today. Let's go. <laughs> well, I won't, I won't flex just to embarrass myself. We have a lot to get to on the show this evening. Today we discuss Tariq Cohen's piece in the Players' Tribune, which is a must-read Bears in the NFL schedule release and expectations for Justin Fields. We'll dive into NBA playoffs later on. Early impressions of the MLB. New Kendrick Lamar video and song, Heart Part 5, ahead of his album coming out Friday. Long, long-awaited album for Kendrick Lamar. One of the best to do it right now. And Ross reviews Doctor Strange because I haven't seen it yet. We have a lot of surprises along the way as well. Good week so far, Ross. Good Getting week so far. Besides your, besides your White Sox. You know, getting their game canceled today due to the Guardians having the COVID. <laughs> I know they weren't. I haven't Guardians heard of a game postponement in a while. It's pretty wild. I know. Well, it's weird because I was reading what Rob Manfred said. Not to not that we're really going to start here, but um, he basically said that if the team had a little mini outbreak, they weren't going to postpone games. They were going to try and power through as long as they had enough players to play. And lo and behold, they they ended up postponing a game today. So it was just a testament that Rob Manfred remains probably the worst commissioner in all of the four major sports that we have right now. He, the guy just is awful. Yes. He's the worst. If you ask the players, you ask the critics, everybody. We'll talk baseball in a little bit. They canceled it so close, too. It was so random. But we begin, of course, as we usually do with Bears news. And and I think it's, it's a good place to start, Ross, with this piece that Tariq Cohen wrote. If everybody's familiar with the Players' Tribune, it, it's a great – resource for players to go ahead and you get the perspective from them on varying topics life on and off the field on and off the court uh spanning all sports and Tariq Cohen we know he his past and we know his injury history no longer on the Bears he's still he's a free agent he's still trying to aspire to be an NFL player and from a small school he's a fourth round pick I believe had a pretty good early career for the Bears. You know, he was a, a beast as a returner and a running back. But we had no idea, Ross, about everything going on in the background with his personal life mm-hmm. at this time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, I, the, the poor guy was dealing with, you know, so much. Let's 
let's start with the positive first, if we can, which is um, here's a guy who um, is, you know, has a height uh, disadvantage to him, um, comes from an HBCU. So he didn't get a, a lot of, uh, of the limelight, but, you know, games weren't on TV and stuff like that. Scouts really had to dig deep. He just, you know, he, he, he came from everything with the odds stacked against him, and he made it. He made it to the NFL. He had a good, successful run. He was uh, thankfully able to sign a, a a contract that set him up financially for uh, for the rest of his life. Fingers crossed if he makes you know the right financial decisions and his family. And he had a beautiful uh, child uh, recently, um, so he has a family now that he can focus on. So you know that's the positives for Tariq Coleman. But he's he's still a young man. He has his health. He has uh, a future with his family, uh, and and hopefully that he can find peace and solace in that. But you know, to touch on the other piece, yes, it, it was heartbreaking to to read what this young man has had to go through so far in his early life. Just all of the adversity thrown at him, um, the heartbreak of of losing you know brothers to to you know to violence and, and gun violence and stuff like that, and of course having his career cut extremely short. Um, which you know was something that he never could imagine would happen. He thought that he was probably going to be with the Chicago Bears for six, seven plus years, and, and he was such a fan favorite here in the city. So um, my heart goes out to him. I think the most important thing about all this is, um, you know, we, we see the human side of, of him, and we tend to forget that what these athletes go through on a day to day basis, and 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 what really affects them mentally. And, you know, a lot of people were probably, you know, I, I saw, we've seen over the years, the, the takes on Twitter and how the hell can Ryan Pace give him that contract or, you know, what the hell, why isn't he practicing every day? And, and yeah, how come he's just standing on the sidelines? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on, you're not in issues. You're not Absolutely. as How come he's just standing on the sidelines and he's getting fat and this and that? And it's just like, slow down, please. And you forget that these guys are human beings and what they have to go through day in, day out. And, that man gave it all to Chicago and he gave it all, you know, he left it all in the football field and I commend him for that. And I wish him nothing but the best in his life going forward. Yeah. hundred percent Ross. It, it was eye opening again, a good reminder, the sacrifice a lot of these guys have to make, especially smaller schools, a fourth round, later on pick, you know, it's not guaranteed that you're going to go to the NFL. You certainly thought that it was a foregone conclusion and you told your mom early on, like, Hey, we have to do this to get to this point and telling his brothers to stay out of trouble and not uh, obviously, you know, deal drugs and, and get in with the wrong crowd. And then lo and behold, that happens. And the tragedy that happens, losing both brothers, like spoiler alert, there, just awful. And in two very different ways for that matter too. And him just trying to thrive as an athlete with, with all that's going on. Well, hearing his brother, was in that uh, shootout and then going on about his his day when he was getting interviewed for E60 was part of the article. I mean, the composure to have to do that and then running home and, and seeing your brother and then having that emotional reckoning at that point was just insane. Also, breaking news that Tajay Sharp has signed uh, – who? Has, has signed a one-year deal with the Bears. Talk about a vet. Uh, we, we knew it was going to be a vet at this point. We'll talk about that shortly. But yep. to put a pin on the Tariq Cohen stuff, Man, that injury was gruesome when you tear, what is it, ACL, MCL, PCL, just you you basically have to reconstruct your leg. It's it's com it's completely crazy to me that he is still trying to play football, but I get it, man, because, you know, you've only made so much money. Like $12 million doesn't seem like a lot to these guys mm -hmm. when you're 
trying to support your family and you want to give them the life that you promised them. And he has still a lot to prove. And I get that, man. But it's also just just so in- incredible. I hope that he ha- finds a place in the NFL. I, th- I think it was just such a good look and a good reminder. Uh, and, you know, we've had a lot of Bears players come and go. But Tariq Cohen, was, he was a pretty good class act on the field. You always rooted for this guy. We love electric returners and skill position players. There's a great history at running back there. And he talked about how it was a dream to get drafted by the Bears, same team that drafted Walter Payton. It just a, an incredible journey. I hope he finds some peace. I, I know, obviously, carrying on without his brothers is very tough. Um, but read the article if you haven't. It, it was a great look. I completely agree with you. I mean, shout out to him again. And just, you know, again, remember, these guys are human beings. He reminds me a lot of uh, another fan favorite from years past, Johnny Knox, who uh, was a receiver with us and, and had a bright future and, and unfortunately had a, a catastrophic back injury oh, that, man. you know, really cut that short for him. And, and he's kind of, you know, faded off and into the background a little bit. I hope that doesn't happen with Tariq. Um, I think he has a ton of personality. I think he has a, an amazing spirit. And whether it's with the Bears or with somebody else, I hope he does latch on um, and, and stays with the game, but in another capacity. I think he can, uh, you know, give a lot to the game. We'll talk about later on about the amount of money Tom Brady is making to, you know, to, to call football games. And you have to imagine that guys like Tariq Cohen should get a piece of that pie as well because um, I, I think he can offer a different perspective that fans just don't normally get, especially when we get the same – you know, vanilla bullshit from quarterback after quarterback after quarterback on, on TV every Sunday, right? It's it's been nice to, to hear a fresh perspective from, from other guys. But prayers out to him. Uh, keep your head up, Tariq. You made it. You won. Um, so, you know, take solace in that and take care of that family, man. I know that he feels like there's a lot of weight in his shoulders, but he made it, man. Prayers out to that guy. He's awesome. You made it. You made your mark as as a bear and as an NFL player. You had those highlight reels, and he's only 26 years old. So you wish him the best, and hopefully he can reclaim some of that athleticism and some of the you know the highlights that he had on the field. It would be mm-hmm. incredible. Absolutely. So Tajay Sharp, a one year deal. There's speaking of younger players, he's 27 years old. I guess he fills a need, man. I you know talking he's about so pairing him with the rest of this kind of hodgepodge of, of wide receivers. I was watching Byron Pringle highlights and, mm-hmm. and kind of just imagining what it's going to be like. We're going to give some predictions for Justin Fields and, and his weapons later on in, in the show here. And uh, Darnell Mooney, Byron Pringle, Ajay Sharp, Equinemius St. Brown. There's there's some speed and there's some experience. There's a good mix in there. What do you think of Tajay Sharp? There is. Mean, listen- right now. Right now, right now, I think he's a he's a fringe fourth wide receiver. Um, you know, listen, he's a you know he's a veteran from from the Tennessee Titans. Um, you know, coaching staff is familiar with him, uh, so he comes in. He'll be able to pick up the playbook really quickly. Um, you know, he didn't play all of last year, if I believe. I think his last snaps were back in 2021. Um, but you know, his first couple of years with the Titans, he was productive. I think what he brings is he brings a veteran into training camp who's going to be able to pick up and latch on quickly. And you need that when you have a still a young quarterback like Justin Fields who's learning uh his second system now in the NFL and one of your primary weapons, Valus, you know, Jones that you just drafted. Um, it's gonna take, you know, he's early word is Valus has been 
picking up quickly and he's really smart, but he's still a rookie and he's still going to have to piece together some things. So um, I, I'm fine with the pickup. I, I think right now the Bears are, are doing what they're supposed to do, um, which is bargain shopping and, and seeing, uh, you know, who can they find um, at a low cost and, and hopefully they can kind of, you know, strike while, you know, strike a rich with some of these guys. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, in camp, you know, what can he do, you know, versus guys like, like you said, like Equinemius and St. Brown, right? Because I think that that's the roster spot that they're going to be battling for. You figure, um, you know, Mooney's your one. Um, you know, Valus is probably your two right now, as crazy as it sounds, and Pringle's your three. And then, you know, who's going to be in that fourth spot? Laz is absolutely correct. You know, Tajay is just another big body wide receiver. The key for him is being able to stay healthy uh, on the football field. If he can stay healthy on the football field, then it's anybody's ball game because, you know, we've talked about this for the last couple of weeks now. This, you know, wide receiving group, it, it's, it's still a lot to be desired. You know, they don't have a true number one. They're not as deep one through four. Um, but that means that some of these guys can step up and and hopefully earn themselves another contract and make some names for themselves. And that starts with a guy like Tajay Sharp. He's going to give he's going to contribute to on special teams as well. Sure. I, I mean, it's very early on to predict what this, you know, starting three is going to look like for wide receivers when you talked about Mooney and Belos Jones and Byron Pringle. But he fills a need and you needed depth. You knew that they were going to try and get a one-year deal out of one of these vets. And Tajay Sharp, he missed uh, the season before last. He was with the Falcons last year. That was the last we heard of him, and he didn't really do much because that Falcons team was just terrible too. But uh, it fills a need. Let's talk about the Bears' schedule because schedule releases tomorrow. Yeah. It's going to be big news yeah. with the Bears. You know, the Bears, for the last couple of years, it has been very tough for this football team Last year, starting off against the Rams, and then you go and play the Bengals and so many other tough teams. The NFC North has been tough in general. But this upcoming year, we know that they play the NFC North twice. Mm-hmm. You play Detroit twice. You play the Vikings twice. You play Packers twice. Yep. And that's always – Packers is always telling, of course. Uh, yep. We shall see with Aaron Rodgers as long as he is in a Green Bay uniform. The home games – Besides those teams that I mentioned include the Washington Commanders, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Bills, the Dolphins, the 49ers, and the Texans. Mm -hmm. And then the away opponents are the Cowboys, again, besides the other teams that I mentioned, the NFC North. Cowboys, the Giants, Patriots, Jets, and Falcons. So Mm -hmm. Bears play the NFC East. They play Mac Jones and the Pats. They play the lowly Jets, but they had a bunch of great picks you know in the first round they could turn it around you could they're nice they're similar to the bears at this point i think with expectations uh eagles you know jalen hurts got a brand new weapon with aj brown the bills we know who they are 49ers the same way and dolphins too with tyreek hill that's going to be tough there's gonna be some fun home games fun away games to be said too but do you i mean i know you're not big on grades things like that ross but as far as the schedule goes for me, it's not as tough as the last couple of years in my eyes. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not ideal to, to have to go through the AFC East, in my opinion. I think Buffalo is probably uh, in the driver's seat for the AFC as the number one Super Bowl contender to come out of there. Um, you know, you, you have to go on the road in Dallas, which is never fun. Um, we already, uh, through the grapevine, have heard within the last hour 
that the Bears will be uh, the week two opponent for the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night football. That's not ideal either, right, to go uh, on the road in a hostile environment on Sunday night in Green Bay. Um, if we read through the tea leaves a little bit, I was doing some 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 looking earlier today. Um, we, you know, the Chicago Fire, the first couple weeks of the season are in Soldier Field. Uh, so it looks like the Bears are going to start on the road for at least the first two games of their of their uh, season this year. Well, we just found out within the hour, week two is in, is in Lambeau Field, right? So we know that's the second game, which means the first game, they're probably on the road as well. Um, you know, you, you hope, fingers crossed, that it's a team like Atlanta, who's probably, you know, one of the, you know, a team that's worse than Chicago. So at the very least, you can maybe come out that Packers game one-on-one, or, or you might be able to catch fire and beat Green Bay in uh, in Green Bay and start two and two. You just hope that it's not a team like going to the, you know, it, it, it's like going to Dallas or something like that. And, and you, right. have to, you know, start with two very tough teams or even the Washington commanders who are going to be a really tough football team this year. Right. You, you hope that, that's not how you start off with because there's nothing worse with a young football team than starting off like 0-2 in, in, in a huge hole and, and then having to, you know, have all that pressure on your back as a, uh, you know, the first home game of the season in week three um, or even going up to New England or something like that. Yeah, um, I, I was thinking, yeah, it would be sorry to cut you off, Ross, no, but fine. yeah, going, going Packers to probably East Coast, Giants, Patriots, Jets, one of those teams, and Patriots Ooh. would be a tough draw as well, but Giants or Jets would be a nice – second warm-up game there yeah so i mean we know so week two is green bay week one is probably going to be on the road week three has got to be um you know maybe uh, uh, usually when they do a sunday night game for the bears they follow it up with like a monday night football game or something like that um mm -hmm. so you might get like a like a uh minnesota early uh, on at home monday night or something like that um we also know that at the end of the season uh for week 17 it is uh, Green Bay and Detroit playing, which means that for like the 25th year in a row, it feels like the Bears are getting uh, the, the Vikings again to finish off their season. Um, so, you know, a couple of things I, I just uh, don't hope for. I don't I, I always say I don't like those early uh, bye weeks. Uh, I, I always like them right there in the middle of the season. Um, and then the other thing that I don't like is um, – I really hope that they don't put the Bears in Dallas uh, for thir for Thanksgiving, you know, game. Um, just selfishly from a family standpoint, and also I think I'm just tired of seeing the Bears play on Thanksgiving night. Um, seeing, I know I was gonna say yeah, we're seeing Christmas Day games too. Go ahead. Yeah, Ross. we're seeing Christmas Day games. That's gonna be awesome. I, I see Jordan's asking uh, for confirmation. Uh, one of the Packers guys, uh, who's a very reliable source, has tweeted out uh, that he's that he knows, and then uh, Kevin Fishbane who covers the Bears, you know, so eloquently has backed it up as well as confirmed that it is week two Bears Packers Sunday night football. Very nice. Yeah, it's it's a uh, as, as expected, it'll be, we'll see how the Bears do against this schedule. It, it could be all over the place. And certainly the expectations for this team are low, I think, following you know, a total overhaul of the coaching staff and of the front office. And so that leads us to kind of latest roster moves, moves, and we talked about Tajay Sharp, uh, Jesper Horstead, who is Aldo's guy, unfortunately. He failed a physical, and he's cut. He's cut. Yeah, he's gone at this point. Uh, you know, it's Justin Fields' team. 
is it with this Nathan Peterman signing? It still is. I can't believe Nathan Peterman's still in the league after that debacle. It was the five interception game, one of those. I feel like you're not able to to play after after games like that. But there's there's guys in this league who strictly old clipboards and and serve as a backup. And so it He's, it's a like I, I tweeted out earlier today. Uh, Nathan Peterman is the perfect guy who will be able to uh, get this offense crammed into his head quickly and will be able to help yeah. guys get the necessary reps that they need in training camp and help the defense kind of, uh, you know, help them move along as well. He's a glorified coach on the field, and um, I expect him to fully not have a job come week one starts. And I think they're going to roll with, um, obviously, Justin Fields and Trevor Simeon as, as the backup. Yeah, there you go. So but I'm here for the jokes. <laughs> I'm here for the jokes, too. Expectations for Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. Now, second year, we know he played limited time. It, it took, a, took a while for the Bears to finally give him the starting position. Uh, we know it's tough as a rookie, especially playing all the defenses that he played, all the teams that he played, and Bears just went on that losing streak at the end of the season, which was just super tough to watch. Uh, but you played the likes of Tampa Bay, which was a debacle. You played San Fran tough. I remember that home game. So you're building on that. Same like Pittsburgh was a really co close, tough game where that was actually kind of a breakout game for Fields as far as passing yards goes. And then Baltimore was a tough slog. Like you follow that up with just a turd of a game, four for 11, 79 yards. You could, you had a terrible uh, quarterback rating. And you talk about every year, you know, you play Green Bay and you play to the best of your ability. Limiting those fumbles and the turnovers is obviously going to go without saying for this young man. Building chemistry with the new wide receiving core, uh, leading that offensive line, lighting a fire under their ass and skill position. Leaning on David Montgomery is important in the running game. So ending the season against Minnesota, put up one of, again, one of his best stat lines, almost 300 yards. He, he didn't crack that number. Uh, he didn't, didn't throw for three more touchdowns, three or more touchdowns, but he had balance as far as rushing the football. We know he's a threat as, as that is concerned. We think in this new offense uh, under this new offensive coordinator and head coach that he could do well. I, I I'm torn. I think he's going to go 4,200 ish yards. You know, if he plays 16, 17 games, that's like right under 300 yards a game, something like that. So that's probably already going to blow up in my face. He's got to go around 30 touchdowns. He's got to average 45 yards rushing a game, something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's the average. There's going to be good games. There's going to be bad games as this Bears team will play some very tough defenses. As we talked about them playing the Bills, Eagles are no slouch. Uh, the Cowboys are going to be real tough. Patriots going to be tough. But other than that, you know, Green Bay has certainly got their number and, and the Vikings and Detroit. Those are going to be tough games. It, it's going to be building. And it's it's how that first four games plays out, I feel like, is also very telling. I mean, it's, it's where a lot of people press the panic button to really celebrate. But it's a long season. For this rookie quarterback, it's certainly going to be important with that learning curve to just hit the ground running, though. And I know it's going to take a little while. They might start one and three two and two at best, something like that. Uh, but those are my predictions very early on. I would love to see that. That's obviously kind of blue sky in it. I think a lot of people in these comments are like, you're out of your fucking mind. 
Mm-hmm. That's fine. We'll see. Set the expectations high and then uh, prove me wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I, I wish I saved this earlier. I had pulled up the uh, for the last 10 years all of the second year quarterbacks, you know, starting in their in their statistics. And you know, right. if if the bar is like Lamar Jackson, right, who won an MVP as a second year starter, um, but he had a really weird season. He didn't actually throw the football for a ton of yards. He had about thirty one hundred yards. He did have like thirty six touchdowns that year to only about um, under 10 interceptions. But remember, he did a lot of moving the, uh, the football down the field with his legs. Um, you know, compare it to even our own Mitch Trubisky, right? We remember who had a you know semi-pedestrian season, and then there's everything in between. Guys like Josh Allen are in there. Um, you know, you look at a guy like Marcus Mariota, who's kind of like the Mendoza line uh, for grading uh, the, the progress and how good a second-year uh, quarterback can be. So I tentatively, with these weapons that Justin Fields has, and I know we've got an actual football game compared to you know, like the years past, I tentatively put things that can he be a 3,500-yard QB that throws for 25 touchdowns, keeps his interceptions in the 10 to 12 range, has about 500 yards of rushing, and chips in another five to six you know, rushing TDs. Um, and I think that's fair. I think it might be slightly conservative, but I think that's also um, where, you know, I think it's a very realistic goal, you know, for him and something that he we could see from him this season. And is that kind of stat line enough for Bears fans for, for year two? And I know that's kind of a loaded question because you really want to see the eye test and, it, and did it look good for him? Um, but you know, that kind of stat season too, you know, the bar is not high, you know, in history in this, in this franchise's, you know, history that puts it as one of the best, you know, quarterback seasons of all time for Chicago bears. You know, Jay Cutler's has some other seasons that are comparable to that, but you know, is that something that we would all, you know, be happy with as bears fans? If he did 3,500 yards, 25 TDs, 12 interceptions, 500 rushing yards, five or six rushing TDs. Yeah, that's what is that? The game managing kind of low bar, I feel like. I, I think so. Like you mentioned with Trubitsky in his second year, what he had, um, yeah, about 3,200 yards, 24 touchdowns. He was, he was efficient. Yeah, I'm just looking at it right now. He played 14 games, 3,200 yards, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. That's that big thing. I think, you know, you want. Uh, Justin Fields to improve on is those turnovers, man. He had some just bonehead plays, some bad fumbles, some rookie interceptions that you're going to see. So if he cuts down on that and if he's below 4,000 yards, 3,500 yards, and the defense plays pretty well, you could make a lot of noise there. I think it's going to be a big learning curve. You know, where are we putting Justin Fields' expectations, though, right, guys? I think we got to wonder what his ceiling is. Is it Lamar Jackson? Is it going to be Deshaun Watson? Like, who are we going to see here? Or are we going to see like a, a Baker Mayfield or, or someone Cardale Jones? Like, who are we going to see? Are we going to see a scrub? And it's uh, it's completely it goes without saying those expectations kind of go out the window. We could we could expect things all we want. We don't know uh, with this Matt Eberflus team, with this Ryan Poles team, how he's going to look in this next season. I think health is a big part of it. How's the season going to go? He's obviously the starter, so he's got to just grind it out. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, we'd, we'd be somewhere in the middle there, Ross, with like 3,500 yards. I think we'd be ecstatic to see something like that building on last year where he, you know, had limited games, 
I mean, he played more than half the season, but limited games where he did well passing, I should say. He had didn't even crack 2,000 yards. Mm-hmm. He had those interceptions and the turnover uh, bug, so that was terrible to see. But it, it, second year, that's that's your sophomore year. It's 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 uphill. It's sure. an uphill battle for sure. With a whole like you know a pretty new receiving core too. Let's well, not forget that. Well, that's the thing that that you know kind of you know pulls me into all this is you know I like Darno Mooney not a lot. He's not a true number one receiver for me. The Bears don't have one on their roster right now. They've got a lot of guys that you can like. They probably don't have a lot of guys that you love, right? That's even including your Cole Komets of the world. We have to see what Velus can do when he gets onto the football field. I mean, I'm looking at Josh Allen's stats right now, right? 23 years old, year two in Buffalo. The guy went 10 to six that year. They went to the playoffs, I believe, right? And then they lost to uh, the Texans in that weird game. That was the last time we really saw like Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, kind of do some things for the Texans, but you know, Josh Allen that year, 58%, you know, completion percentage. I would like Justin Fields to be a little higher than that. Personally, I'd like him to be closer to, to above 60%. Uh, since then, Josh Allen has gone above 60% his last two years in the league. You know, Josh Allen threw for 3,000 yards. Pedestrian, it's fair. 20 touchdowns to nine interceptions. You know, you want the touchdowns to be a little bit higher. Since then, Josh has thrown for 37 and 36 touchdowns. Um, you know, QBR was low in the, in the 49, right? But he was also getting sacked a ton, which tells you that Buffalo's offensive line was trash. He had his most sacks, you know, taken that year at 38 total. But here's the thing with Josh Allen. This, this is what I don't really want Justin Fields to do is Josh Allen did a lot of running that year. And, and you know, Josh Allen is a ginormous human being and he absorbs a lot of hits and stuff like that. You know, good for him, but... You know, Josh Allen that year had nine rushing touchdowns um, that season. He rushed for over 500 yards, you know, on 109 attempts. I don't really want to see Justin Fields running for 109 attempts next season. I, I think that's a recipe for disaster for him. Um, I think that, you know, we saw him get beaten up and banged up a lot last year, ribs injuries and stuff like that and knee injuries. Um, I really want to see him stay in the pocket more this year and be that that hybrid uh, advanced version of, you know, a guy like Donovan McNabb, let's say, who, you know, we all remember from our younger years, who took, a, yeah, who took a football team to the Super Bowl, kind of running a very, very similar offense to what uh, Justin Fields is about to run right now, uh, kind of like that West Coast, um, you know, Shanahan-style offense. But, I you know, I hope that Justin can give us more passing yards uh, for the sake of him not running too much this year. It is getting more weapons as we speak. Dante Pettis getting oh, signed. Another guy. This is bringing all the mediocre wide receivers. They knew we were live, baby. Yeah. So more depth. I, I think he's going to have a plethora of guys around him who who could certainly add, you know, again, just bring depth because it's the next man up thing. And and with wide receivers, you just have to, have to see who you got. Uh, we know – Darnell Mooney was his number one weapon last year. Outside of that, man, it's it's anybody's guess. It's you. You were my best guess. And Tajay Sharp, Dante Pettis getting signed, both around the same age, both kind of journeymen. It's looking good. You you needed to fill that need there. I think you know it's a big question too with with Fields. Uh, is he going to throw to the tight end? Is he going to be strictly? One dimensional? Is he just going to go with Mooney? Or can he spread the ball around? Uh, is he going to throw to uh, 
throw out of the backfield as well. It's it's really just anybody's guess at this point. Aldo, can you get that picture from uh, Dante Pettis's inst- uh, uh, tweet right now of him signing? He's wearing like an old school Kanye West T-shirt, and he looks like a hipster. That, he looks like a hipster yeah, that's like just up. walking down Wicker Park right now. It's absolutely hilarious. That's just a classic. Just signing a deal with the Bears, just looking like he's like just rolled out of bed doing it. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Him and Tristan Thompson will will do well over at Maple Nash. <laughs> yeah, he's but, not making that Tristan Thompson money. <laughs> no, but you know history tells us that there it is. There's the picture right there. Hey, um, look at that. That's awesome. Welcome to Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. History tells us that one of those guys is probably not going to make the football team between Pettis yeah. and uh, and uh, I already and Tajay Sharp. So we'll see them, them. Those two duke it out. They're they're veterans and you know they're they're good big body receivers and you know hopefully. Uh, one of them can be, you know, semi-productive for the Bears. Yeah, they'll both be in camp, that's for sure. So, looking at the rest of the NFL, Ross, you alluded to it, and and I wanted to talk about this to, to lead into the NFL conversation. Dude, the guy hasn't even retired yet, and Tom Brady is signing this humongous TV deal with Fox to become the lead analyst is just bonkers. He stands to make more money as an analyst than he did as a player, if I'm not mistaken, where, you know, 20, 25 million a year, it's 10 years, 375 million. That would obviously uh, overpay him over the guys, the likes of Tony Romo and Troy Aikman, who have been dominating for the last several years. And again, guy hasn't even retired yet. Uh, that's that's just wild. But I know a lot of people are like, where's this coming from? I think we like Tom Brady and, and Peyton Manning probably could have made Similar money, something like yeah. that. Now I think you know with him with the Manning cast, uh, we'll see. I think Amazon signed them to a big deal after after the Manning cast from this last year, something like that. But dude, that's that, that's an insane amount of money to give this guy when he's might play two more years, something he's, like that. He's signing a ten-year, three hundred and seventy-five million dollar contract. He has uh, made three hundred and twenty-five million dollars in his NFL career, so he's actually getting paid more money. To Without a yeah, yeah, to to call uh, football games for for Fox. I mean, here's here's what it all breaks down to, right? I think Greg Olson is a super talented, um, you know, uh, announcer, you know, color analyst, and that's going to be rising. Um, but the star power that you get from Tom Brady is unmatched, and you know, the Fox has three out of the five, I believe, next Super Bowls coming up, and you. I was going to say you can't put a price, but they literally just put a price on it. Um, but you have to put a price on the fact that when um, – I forgot the, the guy's name already. Kevin Burkhart, right, is, is going to be with him in the booth. You, 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 can't, you, you can put a price on Kevin Burkhart saying, and joining me today, seven-time Super Bowl champion, Tom Brady. Like that has a lot of value and cadence when you're calling big football games, when you've got Super Bowls and stuff like that. Then unfortunately, Greg, Greg Olson – just doesn't quite carry that kind of stature. And what Fox is trying to do is, um, you talked about it, they have to compete with Amazon now. They have to compete with the Manning cast on ESPN too. You have to compete with Troy, uh, with Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. Um, and, and then also there's still Tony Romo there. And unfortunately, some of those other guys that they have just wasn't the, the star power to pull in the casual viewer. Any hardcore football fan is going to watch a football game. I don't give a shit if Barney, the purple dinosaur, was calling the game. They're still going to watch the game because they just love football. 
But for the average viewer, Tom Brady brings that extra value and cadence to, to things. Um, will he be good? I don't know. I, I, I think he will be just because when has Tom Brady not ever put his all into anything, right? Like he, he's going to put himself into this craft and, and be really good at it. He reminds me a lot of, um, you know, Kobe Bryant never got to do play-by-play. I think probably because he didn't want to. He wanted to be there for Gigi's games and he didn't want the grind of being, you know, traveling week after week. But yeah. when he did like the Kobe's Muse and he did the ESPN stuff and he was in the studio a couple of times with TNT, Kobe Bryant was the smartest basketball person I've ever seen talk about basketball on TV. And, and Tom Brady reminds me a lot of that. If you love Tony Romo and Tony Romo shouting out plays, you know, before they happen on offense and defense, and it has that charisma, you know, we've seen Tom Brady do TikToks and, and, you know, videos and those, those weekly recaps after he wins football games. And we know the guy is super duper smart. I think he'll, he'll do very well. Um, my biggest question is, Will he have the balls to um, say something negative about a coach or another quarterback or something like that in the moment when you need to? And I think that's what separates some of the good uh, color uh, you know, analysts uh, from the great ones is, is do they have the balls to say, you know what, you know, Kevin, that was just was a flat out terrible football player or something like that. I think that's what Troy Aikman got really good at over the last couple of years is as he was on his way out from Fox, he just didn't give a shit anymore. He was like, I'm going to talk, I'm going to say Dak Prescott just made a bad play, even though I am a cowboy for life and so on and so forth. You got to be critical. Otherwise, why would I watch you? Just, you know, just being so vanilla like that. I think that Brady will be, He'll be the guy he has been. It's like you said, Ross. He's he's a competitor. He's a perfectionist. So he'll certainly certainly whenever he hangs up his cleats, he's going to study tape and he's going to study the other broadcasters. He'll do an even better chair slide than Collinsworth did into uh, into the shot. Yep. And we'll love it because he's Tom Brady, man. He's he's just going to get views based on that alone. And if he's not great, he's he can still say he's the goat. <laughs> I mean, yep. come on. And, you know, I think a really important part for his personal life is, um, you know, Tom Brady has enough money and enough cachet. He's going to fly into wherever the hell he needs to fly into that Sunday morning. He's going to fly right the hell right back out that Sunday night. So he's not going to be away from Giselle and the kids and stuff like that for, for too long, right? I like the comments. Aldis said, how can Tom Brady cheat as a broadcaster? On the heels of him admitting to Justin Bieber with about the tuck rule. Yep. Yeah. He could, yeah, he could, he could take some Adderall. He doesn't seem like the Adderall type. We know what this guy puts in his body, man. He's right. not putting any performance-enhancing drugs. He won't the guy eat, doesn't eat tomatoes. I was going to say, he won't put two strawberries in his body. I promise you, he's not putting anything else in there. Just tequila. <laughs> Just LeBron's tequila. All right, moving on, Ross. Yep. To the NBA playoffs. And Celtics are trying to take a 3-2 to two lead over the Bucks as we speak, and they're they're doing well. Warriors trying to eliminate the Grizz without Ja Morant later tonight. Get some nice rest before the Western Conference Finals. The Suns look like they're booking a ticket to the Western Conference Finals. They can eliminate the Mavs tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Same with the Heat against the 76ers. Of the teams that might come back, I don't know if any of them have it in them, but I think Philly and the Bucks could potentially force game seven, but the Bucs are going to take a lot. It looks like right now. And, and certainly, you know, they're not done after tonight, but uh, the Warriors, man, the Warriors, like we talked about in previous shows, messing teams up and they're showing that Steph Curry, a former MVP is just incredible 
and the backcourt of him and Clay Thompson is back. You got Andrew Wiggins in there. Draymond, even though he's not putting up, you know, crazy numbers, the guy doesn't just doesn't shoot at all. He's just a facilitator. He's, uh, you know, trying to pad his stats. It seems like trying to be like Jason Kidd. Um, it's it's interesting to see his development as a player there, and it's just tough to see the Grizzlies at this point without Ja. When we saw that that bruise, uh, you know, the the so called dirty plays, and we knew that this series was gonna be a good matchup of Ja and and this young Grizzlies team against the Vets that the Warriors offered there. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the Suns; they blew out the Mavericks in the last game. Uh, no love lost between Luca, Devin Booker. 76ers, man, how many times is Joel Embiid going to get hit in the face at this point? It is, uh, it's upsetting for the big man, the poor guy, uh, the poor big fella. But the Heat, you know, a couple years removed from a run to the NBA Finals in the bubble, Jimmy Butler leading that team and Bam Adebayo and, and a lot of familiar faces like Tyler Hero and the like. Uh, I would love to see this the Celtics and, and Heat Finals and then, you know, look at Suns Warriors that's uh, in Western Conference and Eastern Conference. Um, but yeah, other impressions with uh, with a little bit to go in these semis here, Ross. What what stood out to you? Yeah, you know, you know, talk about Memphis first. I, I think that you know they're just too young of a basketball team right now. Where you know the kind of stage is is um, I don't think it's too bright for them. But you can see that Warriors have that experience and that we've been there before. Kind of moxie and attitude, especially in the closing minutes of basketball games where you can see a guy like Steph Curry even struggling throughout the game. But, you know, when it's like five minutes left in the game, you just trust him to make the right basketball play and, and make a shot, and he's been doing it. And then John Morant going down sucks. Um, it gives me a lot of flashbacks of, of Derrick Rose because I think those guys are too similar, uh, are very similar in each other where they play so recklessly and they just kind of crash into guys and and play so hard uh, at and above the rim that you worry about how they're going to hold up long-term because they are a little bit smaller, slider-frame guys. I, I hope Ja is able to recover and come back very healthy next year and have a very long career because that Memphis team is a lot of fun. I think they could be good as they grow up with each other. Um, the Eastern Conference has just been a very physical bloodbath to me. You hit it on the head. Um, Embiid's taking a lot of shots to the face and this Ooh. and that. I think a lot of it's inadvertent. It's just the fact that you're playing a very physical, defensive-minded Miami team um, who's going to get in your face. I mean, with the same thing is going on right now in that Boston and, and Milwaukee series. I watched that last game between those two teams. It just felt like everybody's just smashing into each other and – walking up and limping and it's just been a very physical um, ordeal in the Eastern conference. And you start to wonder if uh, whoever is left over from those four teams, you know, are are they going to be even physically fit to go to a series against a team like golden state or Phoenix, who both those teams are probably the the most skilled basketball teams left in the playoffs. Right. And and that's going to be a really fun series that has the potential to go to seven games. Um, you know, it, it sucks that Gary Payton II it, it got hurt because the, the Warriors are going to really need his defensive moxie, especially against a guy like Devin Booker and Chris Paul in the next round. But um, I'm still enjoying the second round. I am ready, though, to start to see it, like, wrap up. I hope that we get some answers going into the end of this weekend here and we start to, like, move up forward. I, you know, I, it's like it's nice to see if we can get some, uh, you know, who's getting ready to go to the NBA Finals by Memorial Day. But, you know, if I were to kind of put, you know, power rank team things right now, I still think Phoenix is is number one in the West. I know even though they've been struggling against Dallas, but 
Luca's Luca. He's a top five player in, in the NBA for a, a reason. So sure. um, there's no there's no shame in that. I think. Um, and then I think in the East, um, you know, I, I'd have to put Boston right now in the driver's seat as the best team in the East. But Miami is just so damn physical. But without Kyle Lowry, it's going to be really tough for them to beat that Boston team. Um, so, you know, we could see a Boston versus Phoenix crash course, but it wouldn't be surprised me if it was Miami and Golden State either. You know, we've been expecting Boston to be this good for a while, right, with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and, and keeping these guys together and kind of just tweaking around that. And Al Horford, a guy who has had many good years in the NBA. He was kind of touted as that X factor. And then, you know, we talk about Brad Stevens going to the front office and and now a new head coach uh, taking over and Brad Stevens embracing sort of a GM role and constructing that team and and managing the expectations and all that. Yeah. Boston is looking like that team to beat out of the East. But again, you know, talking about Miami, like you said, they're very physical. Jimmy Butler looks like that dude. And and those two teams between the Celtics and Miami have that experience that compares to what the Suns and the Warriors have to recent memory. Here, the Warriors have already, you know, Steph and, and Clay have already been there. They talked about and Draymond talking about their playoff experience and how important that is. Now it's going to be that difference maker. And Phoenix just manhandling uh, the Mavericks in that last game, winning by thirty. They kept it competitive for a while, but then Mavericks. You can't just have a down quarter against that Suns team because they will expose you. They will take advantage and they will, you know, double the score against you. Devin Booker mm-hmm. peaking at the right time. We've talked about how up we are on DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul can have a down game when these other guys, they have just such a good backcourt. They shoot the three. Well, it's unselfish basketball. It's everything you'd think you'd see from a Warriors team too. So it looked like Warriors Suns and, and heat Celtics. I'm not mad at that at all for the Western East. It's Eastern conference finals. Uh, going into the next couple weeks from now. Absolutely. And Nikola Jokic, the Joker, wins the MVP right. for the second year in a row. He was riding like a a horse buggy, and and the Nuggets surprised him with the MVP trophy. Look it up. Aldo, pull that up too. Uh, really wild yeah. journey for this kid from Serbia. Just incredible when you look at his development, a guy who uh, in a in a – era of these big men like Giannis and and Joel Embiid, this guy, he's very well-rounded. And the reason he edged Embiid and all these other guys uh, he was going up against for the MVP award is because of that balance and because he's a stat stuffer. He's a triple-double machine. He's assist first. And, man, join some elite company with him winning the second MVP uh, award in a row. And talking about bigs, it's just a, a quick segue as we put a pin on the NBA. People just got to stop with this conversation about the, the super spreader Rudy Gobert, him shutting Shaq down in their in their primes. Like, have you have you seen Shaq and, and his career? No one's touching Shaq. Of all the big men that played, man, like Kareem, you think of Tim Duncan. He was just destroying, uh, you know, David Robinson back in the day. Like, there was no one touching Shaq, just his physicality and him being able to beat you and force force you to beat him and in the paint like that. I mean, he was just incredible. I don't think Rudy Gobert would stand a chance. Um, 
to touch on Jokic first, Jokic to me was absolutely the MVP. I know a lot of people were talking about Joel Embiid getting it, but remember, Jokic didn't have Michael Porter Jr. for most of the year. He didn't have yeah. Jamal Murray for, for the entire season. Those are his two best players, his two best teammates, and he still dragged that team to the playoffs, which is absolutely unthinkable. I don't think any other uh, player would have been able to do that. So he absolutely was the MVP for me. Um, I saw all of Shaq's career, and I saw all of prime Shaquille O'Neal. And when I tell you that was one of the most dominant athletes in all of sports when that guy was on and he was not right, just center athlete. Yeah. Athlete. He was one of the most dominant athletes I've ever seen in my life. And there was nobody. He was just quite frankly, unguardable. Um, the only person that I saw do a great job against Seth Shaq is because he got in his head and that was Hakeem Olajuwon. We all remember, um, right. you know, the NBA finals where, where Shaq made it to there as an Orlando magic and they got swept by Olajuwon, who Olajuwon just absolutely schooled them. That's the only person. I've seen David Robinson fail, and David Robinson is a goddamn Marine, and, and or Navy, excuse me, and, and you know, was as strong as they've gotten. Alonzo Mourning was, was very strong. I've seen some very strong physical centers to absolutely fail against Shaquille O'Neal. So, yes, Rudy Gobert, you know, I always speak about, especially in the NBA, because I think this happens more so in the NBA, the, the lack of respect for the guys that, that came before you is just absolutely absurd. Rudy, Rudy Gobert wouldn't have had a chance against Shaquille O'Neal. I saw a clip today about how guys were laughing when Charles Barkley said he was the second best player on the Dream Team. He was. Charles Barkley at that time was going into you know the, the Phoenix Suns. He was the MVP. He was taking that team uh, next season to, an, uh, to uh, the NBA championship against the Chicago Bulls. He was amazing. Bird was on his last legs, bad back. Michael, uh, Magic Johnson wasn't even playing anymore. And, you know, Stockton Malone were getting old. Charles Barkley was the greatest player. You guys have to do your due diligence and do your homework and recognize some of these uh, older athletes um, as well, which, um, you know, leads me to um, uh, RIP today, um, Bob Lanier, who passed away, NBA Hall of Famer. Um, you know, it just kind of came and went on the timeline. We got to remember these guys and remember the, how talented they were back then. It, you know, I, it's always easy to, to, you know, forget about the past, but we can't do that. Yeah. I think with the go bear and Shaq conversation too, it's, which is tough. You just talk about different eras and nineties basketball versus basketball now is, is different. And, and if you took that, it threw it out though. If you, you put them on, on the blacktop right now, man, I'm taking Shaq all day or put him in a pickup game. Shaq's still just dominating guys and at the Y just for fun. And Ross, you know, in the MLB side of things, it's still very early on. Anything you wanted to touch on before we kind of go to quick hits to end this? Yep, let's do it. All right. Dodgers and Yankees crushing teams is expected. That's that's all you can uh that's yeah. all you can talk about right now. Yep. But new Kendrick coming. Enough about that. The hard part five just came out. Hard part five. That's with Kendrick's deep fakes throughout the video with yes. Kanye and Kobe and Will Smith. He reminded OJ. me of a, the man of many faces from the, yeah. um, yeah, from the game of Thrones. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh -huh. and Nipsey hustle, Nipsey uh, hustle. From Nipsey's perspective. Yes. You know, it's, it's insane with Kendrick. We, we talked about recently our top rappers out there and how he is under 35 mm -hmm. is, Catalog speaks for himself. He could so, quote unquote retire tomorrow and be be in that Mount Rushmore for a lot of people of of MCs of rappers. But with Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, it's uh, 
you know, this this album after Damn, which is a certified classic at this point, it's his last release with Top Dog, mm-hmm. his first release in five years. That's that's a lot. And the hard part five, like a lot of what Kendrick does, is storytelling and moving like these soul samples. And it's a five minute song when a lot of these 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 singles come out now, they're just two, two and a half minutes real quick. Like I can't wait to see it's just a tease and and to see how he will paint a picture when you look at Dan, when you look at To Pimp a Butterfly, like, man, you got to listen to those albums as as they were intended to be listened to, as much as those two albums do have singles on them as well that are very listenable and just great classic songs. But yeah. Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers looks like it, it's coming for album of the year. And this is on the heels of Pusha T. This was, and you see the video uh, in our video right now, picture yeah. in of Kendrick also the I loved how that was shot and he and he shouted out South Park's uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker for this this technology that they use for the deep fakes and it's pretty eerie like seeing OJ on top of his face go straight to Kanye like this how it shot one take is just very Kendrick he's he's had great videos over the years he's just on on every level just doing so well as an artist and I, I can't wait Heart Part 5 was great huh Ross it was phenomenal. Um, Jesse Smollett, we forgot about him. Juicy, um, Juicy Smollett. For for people who are who are asking in their brains, yes, there are four other parts to the heart. Um, th- this isn't just called the Heart Part Five. I encourage you to go listen to the other four, uh, the hearts that he's had out in the past. He typically uses these as a kickoff to his album coming out, so kind of like a sneak peek into what to expect from his album coming out. And he does a great job at at hyping you up and getting ready for the album. This does the same thing. He uses a beautiful classic Marvin Gaye song slash sample uh, to be able to, to usher you in. Like you said, the video was just absolutely captivating for me. I saw it on Sunday night, like most of us did. And I was just like, look, watching some basketball and it pops up on my feet. And I was just like, holy shit. And I watched it like five times that night. Um, You know, that technology, that ain't cheap. (laughs) <laughs> that 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 stuff is a lot of money so you're looking at the video and it's it seems very simple and he's there in a white t-shirt and a bandana and he's grown his hair out because he's lived off the grid for the last five years and in argentina without a phone and stuff like that but you know the the fact that this man still has a lot of money and support behind him because he is that dude he is that artist that 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 technology is not cheap like i said that marvin gay sample if you are familiar with marvin gay's family and, and what they went through with robin thick and and uh and pharrell um they don't clear samples too often they don't clear it for just for anybody and they would clear it for for kendrick so i'm thoroughly excited for his album to come out on friday i think it's going to take a solid week to even unpack what we've been listening to how it sounds you know where we're at you know, I listened to this song five times. I, you know, I don't think a lot of people know, but Nipsey Hussle was one of my favorite, favorite up and coming raptor rappers when he was out, and um, his passing was really upsetting for me. And uh, and he's got a great song uh, on Nipsey's last album uh, with Kendrick Lamar, and those two were very close. They both represented California to the fullest, Compton, uh, Crenshaw area, and so. Um, you know, that, that whole perspective was, was heartbreaking and you almost want to have tears in your eyes just as he, as he kind of speaks from, from Nipsey's uh, standpoint. And, and it's just going to be an amazing project. I know we're all pretty psyched about it and uh, I hope everybody allows it the, the opportunity to, to breathe, to just let it, 
know, it's like a good glass of bourbon, right? Like you open it and just let it, let it sit there for a minute and let it sit on your nose. I don't need your rapid takes this weekend, Friday, Saturday. I don't need your reviews 24 hours into it. When it's a Kendrick album, just marinate on it. Listen to it when you're having a drink, listen to it in the car, listen to it when you're on the treadmill, listen to it when you're smoking a joint. I don't give a shit, but like take the time to listen to it in all different kinds of varieties and appreciate uh, the music that he's giving you because he's what he is. He's not just a rapper. He's a musician and he's giving you music. Pulitzer Prize winning Kenny. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% of the way as far as when I listen to an album like this after there's been a lot of hype and a lot of buildup and you know the single comes out, the hard part five, a couple days before this album drop, big release, I, I just shut myself away from it all with with, with a, a new album coming out like that. And top to bottom, it's going to take a few listens, but we know it's going to be something epic. Yep. Two minutes left here, Ross. Give yep. me your Doctor Strange review. Did I actually, you it? I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to see it this Friday. I, I didn't get what? a chance to see oh, it. Rats. You didn't I didn't get a chance to see it last week. Um, I, I will see it this Friday. Um, I'll I'll give you my review for next week. I'm not hearing great things about it. Um, and I'm wondering if um if the if the the Marvel Phase Four is really kind of what people are digging these days. The movies are. Uh, maybe a little lackluster. Moon Knight was a little mad to me. Some of the shows have been mad. Uh, some been mad to me, but I, I, you know, I'm excited to see it. But outside of of Spider Man, I don't know if Phase Four is really going uh, the way Marvel had planned. Which you know goes to show you they really leaned on the the Chris Evans of the world, Captain America, and the Tony Stark with Robert Downey Jr. and stuff like that. And we don't have those guys anymore. Who's going to be left to, to carry the torch? You know, it's, it, that's a lot to ask for Tom Holland. Um, but, you know, it, you know, we got Elizabeth Olsen, who I, I know is going, to, is going to be a play a, a huge part. I saw WandaVision. It was my favorite of the shows. So at least it has that going for it. Um, I do love Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch as a actor. Um, and sure. I love the first Doctor Strange. But I'm skeptical about this one. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I think I'm getting a little Marvel fatigue right now. I'm always going to be visually appealed by, you know, super entertained by everything that they're able to do with these movies is just incredible. I'd frankly look forward more towards the new Thor where it's him and the, the guardians of the galaxy teaming up uh, outside of Dr. Strange. I can't get into the Marvel TV series for whatever reason between Moon Knight and what was the other one? Captain America and, I, I watched the the Loki one, but wasn't really into it. I kind of hate watching right. like Westworld. Yeah, we but, got Loki, you know. Hawkeye, Falcon, and the Winter Soldier. Uh, we've had What okay. If, WandaVision, and Moon Knight. I heard What If was great, though. I wanted to watch that too. What if on is the, okay? On the, on the note of television, did you see the end of Ozark? Were you into I it? Don't like Ozark. You don't like Ozark. I've tried to watch Ozark three times. I am fully out on Ozark. We're going to fight on Ozark, Ross. Yeah. And uh, Snowfall, I know you saw the finale of that. I saw Snowfall. Snowfall was awesome. Oh boy. I'm excited for the last, last season of Snowfall, yes. Hell of a last season, my friend. Uh, just random notes from this week. Ross, I saw that there were some dudes trying to steal from a Best Buy. And if you didn't know about Ross, he used to work at Best Buy way back in the day. Before yes. he was fit best, before he's the fit man you saw for him. Yes. But the but these guys start running a zone defense from these kids who are stealing. They're like trying to take the phones and laptops that are like wired into the desks 
And uh, Ross, I could only imagine you would probably deck one of those dudes, or you just wouldn't give a shit. You probably wouldn't give a shit. You just I, true story. I was a manager. I, I had moved on to Circuit City when I was a manager, but I wasn't at Best Buy anymore. But a kid stole something, and we knew he was stealing something. And he stood at the front door and he took off on us. And this is not. This was against company policy. You're not supposed to chase people. We oh, literally chased this kid for four blocks down the street and caught him and threw him against the wall. And it was like, <laughs> it was probably like four freaking DVDs or something like that. In your blue polo. Absolutely. We chased this kid for four blocks down the street. So if they ever start CSI uh, retail, I'm your guy. I'm all in. You put down that Top Gun DVD, young man. <laughs> That's outstanding. Uh, Apple has discontinued the iPod, finally, Ross. R.I.P. R.I.P. to the iPod. Man, you remember the shuffles. No more Some YouTube albums uh, just randomly thrown onto your iPod for no freaking reason. Oh, man. It came on in the Bluetooth the other day. And it was, oh. it was, my, it was my, uh, my lovely wife's phone. I was like, how is this still on your phone? How do you oh, get it off? Dude. It was like you needed an exorcism from YouTube. I saw somebody the other, the other day. I, apparently, U2 is going to do a concert for uh, for the people of Ukraine for uh, for obviously what they're going through. And I saw somebody tweet out, uh, haven't these people suffered enough already? <laughs> Ouch. Couldn't they, get some, couldn't they get someone more current? For the love of God. Ukraine deserves better. <laughs> All right. We ran out of show. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. If you've missed most of the show or want to catch it, Later on, uh, on the Barroom Network, it's going to be on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your audio and visual. Follow us on social media. I'm at The Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. Enjoy the NBA playoffs. Go see Doctor Strange. Ross, man, yeah, although we fight on a lot of TV shows. We'll, we'll get to that, I'm sure, at some point. With I'll give you with my top show. five TV shows next week. How's that? Yeah, there we go. And, and we will discuss. For now, everybody be good to each other out there. So long, everybody. Peace.